Building better players. Building better games. This is playing the role. Welcome to Playing the Role. This is Nathan, and I'm flying solo on this one. I had an idea that I wanted to try out, and uh, that is one-page RPG reviews. And I'm going to do a few of these on our off weeks. Not every off week, but just some off weeks. And I hope that you folks like it. If you do, I'll keep doing them. The reason why I wanted to do this was to shine a bit of a light on some fun and fantastic one-page RPGs that I think kind of fly under the radar a bit. The RPG community is so dominated by the major players, specifically Dungeons and Dragons, that a lot of really fun indie games just don't get the recognition they deserve. And that I think one-page RPGs are the perfect games for beginners. So if you're out there, you're looking to get friends, family, acquaintances, enemies, whoever into role-playing, these are some of your absolute best options because they don't go too into detail. They can't because they're single page. And they're just a heck of a lot of fun to play. And that's really what you want for someone's first time. You don't want to overload them with rules and mechanics. You just want them to come over, have a good time, and see if role-playing is for them. So I picked out two today that we're going to go through. Uh, The first one is Adventure Skeletons. And the second one is called Goat Crashers. They're both by Grant Howitt. If you are familiar with Grant Howitt, you'll know that he is very, very prolific when it comes to game design. He's got so, so many of these one-page RPGs. They're all fun. They're mostly adorable. They're really, really good. But uh, I've chosen these two because they're, I think, my favorites of them. We will probably go back in future episodes and look at some more of Grant's stuff because there really is a lot of them and they should be explored and highlighted. We're going to start off today with Adventure Skeletons. And in this game, you are a skeleton looking for adventure. So it's truth in advertising. Here is the little preamble. This is our backstory here. You are a skeleton. Bored of being told to guard some boring old dungeon by a wizard. So, you dress up in some kit you found on a corpse and set off to the human dungeon, or village as they call it, for an adventure. Your adventuring goals are to slay villains, get cool treasure, and perform legendary deeds. Now, as with all one-page games, everything that you need to play Adventure Skeletons and our next game, Goat Crashers, are all listed on a single page. That includes some really, really fun illustrated character sheets. Of course, they don't go into too much detail because you only have so much word count here. The very first mechanic that we're going to come across here is character creation. So we have ancestry, equipment table, and that's about it. It's pretty bare bones here. So firstly, ancestry. There are six possible combinations. You can roll a d6 to determine randomly or just choose your favorite ancestry. Number one is orc, plus one to hitting and shouting. Number two is elf, plus one to speaking and moving. Three is dwarf, 
Your head and chest get an extra hitbox each. Four is goblin, plus one sneaking and running away. Five is human, detach a body part to re-roll a skill check. Detaching body parts is a big part of the game mechanic here, and it's honestly my favorite game mechanic in this, and the reason why I chose it to highlight here, so we'll get into that fairly soon. The last one, number six, is skeleton. You can be a skeleton whose ancestry is skeleton. And I love this because it it offers so many interesting and weird questions (laughs) about where exactly you come from, but you'll know that because you have plus one to skeleton knowledge and culture. Once you have your ancestry either picked or rolled for, you are going to have an equipment table. Now, this is rolled for. You roll twice on this one. The first is leather armor. Plus one hitbox on a random slot. Hitboxes, you have them for each of your limbs, as well as your torso and head, pretty much all of your major uh, body parts. So if you get leather armor, you get plus one hitbox there. Otherwise, all of your stuff has two hitboxes. The second one is metal armor. Uh, It's as leather, but plus two hitboxes, so it makes that one part of your body really beefy. Three is scimitar. This is the first weapon. It's one-handed, d6 damage. Number four is a dagger, one-handed, d4 damage, d8 from hiding, so a little bit of a sneak attack mechanic there. Five is a great axe, two-handed, d8 damage, d12 versus the head. And finally is bow and arrows, two-handed, ranged weapon, d6 damage. Now, once you have these things together with your ancestry, you have created your character. The only other thing you would need to do is name them whatever feels like a good skeleton name. The rest of the stuff here is for the DM. So the DM is going to figure this out at the start of the game, and he's not going to tell you if you're a player, but if you're the DM, then you're going to uh, have this all figured out. Firstly is the Human Dungeon's Dark Secret. So something's going on in this village that the skeletons have come to, and we're going to see what it is. Number one, harboring a murder cult. Number two, praying to a malevolent demon under the town. Three, worshipping a skeleton, who you know, as a god. Number four, imprisoning a bunch of innocent skeletons in a basement. Number five, none of them have skeletons. They're all outsider pod people in disguise. And number six, the town is built atop an extensive dungeon complex. You can also determine on the opposite side of the single page the human dungeon what type of town is it one is a vibrant farming hamlet two is a busy crossroads with an inn and a river three is a monastery and a library four is a mages college five is a shady river port and six is a seaside resort seaside resort is a fantastic idea for a skeleton adventure you could do a real weekend at Bernie's, except with all of the players weekend at Bernieing themselves around town. Really fun. And that's about it for the DM. The rest of the page is dedicated to mechanics and treasure. So we're going to take a look at game mechanics here. This is pretty simple stuff, honestly. So the first thing we'll look at is performing actions. So for this, you roll a d10 and equal or beat the Game Master's target number. And some of the examples they give you is for an easy action, difficulty should be about four, standard action six, 
challenging 8, and really difficult 10. Now there is a modifier to this. Your roll is at minus 1 for each body part you're currently missing. If you roll a 10, roll another d10 and add it to the result. So there is a bit of a critical mechanic there. There's no critical failure, really. But the uh, missing body parts can really add up there and make easy things much, much more difficult, which, honestly, they probably should. The other thing that you have to worry about here is damage. When someone attacks you, they hit. In parentheses, you're slow. This is very unique as a mechanic here. There's no sort of defense role at all. You just get hit as a skeleton. You're just not very fast. You don't have those quick reflexes you had when you were alive. Or if you were born a skeleton, I guess you just, you know, you're used to it. So you roll a d10 on the hit location table to see where they hit you. This body part is damaged. You mark off a hitbox and it comes off. So whatever limb you're hit on comes off as well as takes some damage, as do any body parts that are directly attached to it. Use some common sense here. (laughs) So, for example, if you get hit in the arm, obviously the arm pops off, but you wouldn't be able to use that hand because the hand is attached to the arm. I think that's what they mean in this case. If someone hits you in a body part that is not currently attached, they miss. So it does get harder to hit you as you lose body parts. So there's a silver lining to being, you know, just a, a bony head rolling around on the ground actually very hard to hit. Now, if a body part has no hitboxes remaining, it's broken and can no longer be used. If your head runs out of hitboxes, you're out of the game, so keep it safe. So this is your failure state. If your head is destroyed, and your head has two hitboxes, so it can't take many hits, you get basically one strike, and then on the second strike, you're out. You want to keep it safe, so you'll probably want to find some armor for your head, or otherwise keep your head away from the uh, pointy things of your enemies. Now, damage does mention a hit location table. So the hit location table is a fun little drawn skeleton on the bottom right-hand side that has labeled areas of the body. On a one, they hit your right leg. On a two, your left leg. On a three, your pelvis. On a four to five, your right arm. On a six to seven, your torso. On an eight to nine, your left arm. And on a 10, your head. So there's only one in 10 chance of someone hitting you in the head. But, I mean, I could could see Spike in those roles, right? And (laughs) getting hit twice in the head back to back could, could certainly happen. Now we go to damaging humans and other things. So this is you fighting. Uh, You hitting, not you getting hit. So if you hit, and this is again the same d10 roll, roll on the location table to see where you hit and roll your damage versus their toughness. Without a weapon, you do d3 damage. So if you're just stuck with your skeleton claws, you'll do d3 damage. If you beat their toughness, you take them out of action. If not, lower their toughness by one. Toughnesses range from two sheep weasel to 12 dragon. So this is an interesting mechanic because if you're fighting something like a dragon, you're going to have to do damage, do a lot of damage, especially at the start. But each time you kind of beat that threshold, you'll lower their toughness by one. So as they get weaker, 
you have a better chance to hit. It's a really neat kind of mechanic. I, I like it a lot for a one-page game like this because it's it's simple, it's easy, and it's not crazy to wrap your head around, right? You're not worrying about armor, damage reduction, anything like that. There's no real modifiers here. It's just, hey, you gotta you gotta beat their toughness, and uh, if you if not, lower their toughness by one. I really like that. And if you have something like a uh, Great Axe, which was the D8 damage, D12 versus the head, there's a lot of stuff that you might just be able to kill straight out here, right? Not everything is going to be a Toughness 12 Dragon. So as a skeleton, you're you're pretty well suited to uh, do some fighting, even though every time you're hit, one of your limbs flies off. <laughs> now, this is the most important mechanic, I think, of this game. Reattaching parts. So when you are damaged, a body part comes off. And if a body part comes off, you can stick it back on. If it breaks, however, you lose it. So it breaks when it has taken its two slots worth of damage. But you can replace it with any bone you've found on your travels. You can have one non-bone replacement at a time, and it must be of an appropriate size and shape. For example, a barrel for a chest, a tree branch for a leg, etc. And the game even gives us a fun fact here that every human and most animals are full of bones going almost entirely unused. This is my favorite mechanic because it allows your skeletons to grow and change throughout your campaign without any kind of level up mechanic, without any actual rules around character customization, that kind of thing your skeleton can end up looking quite, quite different than it started off with bones from all sorts of animals or just random detrius, right? You could have a, a, a bedpost as a, as a leg or a shovel as an arm, that kind of thing. And <laughs> I think this would be one of the most fun games if anyone in your group is an artist and can sketch out your various skeletons by the end of the game. I think you will have an absolutely great time. And it does give you some options for giving them a little bit more customization in terms of how the character looks, right? It, it, you know, everyone's a skeleton, but hey, my skeleton has the leg of a deer and has an old rake for an arm, right? And that's, that's a very characterful skeleton. So you can have a lot of fun with that mechanic get creative, right? This is all going to be up to the uh, game master's discretion. So I would say try as much on as you can. <laughs> and uh, always, always be looking for a, a skeleton upgrade for your skeleton. So the last thing is cool treasure. So these are suggestions for the GM of things that you could reward your skeleton players with. And uh, if you need... Something in a pinch here, there is six options that you can either roll for to see what they find or just put into your game. And of course, like any good RPG, you're kind of expected as the GM to come up with with more than what is just on this page here. But we have number one, a bag of golden gems. Exchange it for goods and services. <laughs> number two, a magic scimitar plus one to hit and damage. Three, magic armor. As metal armor, but heals hits at the start of every fight. So that's really nice, because usually your metal armor will give you 
two hits and then it'll break. Now it heals, so as long as it doesn't break during the fight, it will just boop, heal itself right back up. Four is the invisibility cloak. Allows you to hide in plain sight until you make a noise or attack. I can see there being a lot of discussion, friendly discussion with the GM about just how many skeletons can fit under one invisibility cloak. Get into some real Harry Potter-esque hijinks with that. Number five is a potion of repair. Clear all marked hitboxes, one use only. So this fixes up your bones. If your bones are in rough shape, then uh, potion of repair will fix those right up for you. And number six is a hat of subterfuge, plus two attempts to disguise yourself. So you can say, hello, fellow humans, as you rattle your bones. And there's a chance that those humans might be like, oh, hello there, fellow human. So a very useful ability for a skeleton to have. And that, my friends, is Adventure Skeletons. Now, when would you want to play this game? I think there's a few absolutely slam dunk use cases for Adventure Skeletons. Firstly, if you just want a game about silly skeletons doing silly skeleton things, this is for you. More so, though, I think this is an absolutely great first game for someone who has never played an RPG before. It's a really good one for a Halloween party. Anything happening in October, you can throw Adventure Skeletons in and, and have a real good time with that. I also think this one would be a great introductory RPG for kids because you're going to uh, have a lot of fun. I think any kid with customizing their skeletons, putting stupid stuff on their skeletons and uh, just having fun with that. This is a, a really good one. It won't be too hard for all but the youngest kids to understand this. The other thing I would say about it is most of these games, and I'll probably end up repeating myself here a lot, but most of these games are pretty suitable for a one-shot, right? You just want to have some friends over, you want to play a game that's not connected to anything. Maybe you're back from school for a little bit and you need to play a game, but you, you're only back for a, a long weekend or something. Games like this are, are perfect for that. Now, Adventure Skeletons isn't just for one shots. I think you could get a small campaign, like maybe three to five sessions out of Adventure Skeletons. And that's mostly because of the reattaching body parts mechanic, right? Your skeletons are going to get weird real fast with that. I think there is enough here to play a small continuing game. I don't know that you could do something that is greater than three to five sessions with it, but maybe you could. I, I don't know that there's quite enough here, but with a GM who is creative enough to keep throwing interesting things at you, uh, you might end up having a really, really good time running Adventure Skeletons as an ongoing game. So that is it for our skeletons. Now it's time to get maybe even a little bit weirder. I know that doesn't sound like it should be a thing after Silly Skeletons, but this is Goat Crashers. It's a one-page RPG about goats. It's also by Grant Howitt. And uh, you're a cheeky little goat. And you want to party. Problem is, the only party is being held by humans. Who don't want goats to ruin it. But to hell with them. You're going to get inside by any means necessary. And have the best time. <laughs> that is our backstory. It's fantastic. Much like Adventure Skeletons, what we start off with here is character creation. 
We have, what type of goat are you? What's your favorite goat thing to do? And what do you want to do at the party? So it's a little bit more advanced, I guess, than Adventure Skeletons in that there is three questions it's asking you instead of two. But let's start off with the first one. We have six types of goats. And again, roll for it or choose your goat. There is Pygmy, whose specialty is smallness. Fancy, whose specialty is charming. Mountain, whose specialty is climbing. Bighorned, whose specialty is fighting. Satanic, whose specialty is occultism. And lastly, fainting, whose specialty is fainting. Once you've decided on your goat type, you have to figure out what is your favorite goat thing to do. Is it one, eating stuff or just tasting it? Two, headbutts. Three, standing on top of stuff. Four, making a mockery of physical barriers. Five, running around. Six, bleating loudly. Then we need to figure out what do we want to do at the party? And this one gives us 10. Do we want to, one, eat cake? Two, steal a bunch of canapes to give to your mum. Three, hobnob with the rich and famous. Four, drink a load of fizzy wine. Five, dance with an heiress. Six, be interviewed by Tatler for the society pages. Seven, get one of those goodie bags. Eight, secure investment for your new business. Nine, give a speech thanking the host. And ten, recreate Die Hard, your favorite film, and the only one you've seen at least half of. There is nearly infinite possibilities with how these goats are going to ruin this party. And uh, so there's, there's 10 there. And honestly, that's probably enough to get you into all sorts of trouble in this game. Now, actions. If you're doing goat stuff, you generally don't have to roll because you're a goat and you are good at goat stuff. But when you do something risky, when you are trying to appear human, that's when you have to roll. And this is all based on a 2d6. So you roll that 2d6, and then you add 2d6 if your goat-type skill ties in with the action. So your goat-type skill is what we figured out with the uh, type of goat that you are. So for example, if I'm a mountain goat and what I'm doing involves climbing, then I can add an additional 2d6. Then you can add a further 2d6 if you're doing your favorite goat thing. So example, headbutts, standing on top of stuff. That kind of thing. So if you're if you're doing that, so then you'd be up to 66. Each dice that shows a four, five, or a six is a success. This is opposed by the chaos pool, which we'll speak on in a minute here. Now, each obstacle you encounter will have a difficulty. They do give us some sample difficulties as well. Each success you roll when you act reduces the difficulty by one. When it's zero, the obstacle is no longer a problem. You can tackle obstacles as a group, taking turns to roll. So for example, here are some of the difficulties that you can encounter. Sneaking in the back door is difficulty 7. Find disguises, difficulty 5. Walk down the red carpet, difficulty 8. Blend in with the slow dance, difficulty 10. Swim underwater to enter via the pool, <laughs> difficulty 7. Anything involving air vents, difficulty 3. This dude definitely suspects you're a goat. Time to do something is difficulty four. Fine manipulation of items with hooves slash mouth is difficulty nine. Evade the paparazzi, difficulty six. This guy won't shut up about his screenplay, difficulty three. Admire art convincingly is difficulty seven. Resist the lure of the buffet is difficulty 12. 
and someone's chatting you up. Oh no, difficulty five. The cops are here, cheese it, difficulty 10. What we see from this is that most difficulties are kind of beyond a single goat's purview to tackle without a lot of its either goat skills tying in, right? With, with only 2d6 and only half a chance of succeeding, you need other goats to help you. So this is a, a game in which all of the goats need to work together to do goat things or to do human things more specifically, I guess. And you'll really need to, to plan how you're going to tackle this party with your fellow goats. Now, once you've rolled and you've beaten the difficulty, if you end up with only a single success, you're in a tight spot. The GM, or Goat Master, describes how the situation gets a little worse. If you have no successes, you're in trouble. The GM describes how things have gone south, and the other goats will have to help you out. And of course, if you have more successes than that, then you've, you've done whatever thing you wanted to do without repercussion. Now, we spoke of the chaos pool a minute ago, and this is what that is. When you do something loud or disruptive, the GM adds a dice or two to the chaos pool to reflect the partygoers getting more suspicious about the encroaching goats. When the players do something sneaky, take a dice out of the chaos pool. When a goat makes an action, the GM rolls the chaos pool and subtracts successes, 4+, plus, from the goat successes. This is kind of a classic opposed role that a lot of game systems use, and really just makes it so that the consequences of your previous actions will come back to haunt your goats. You can defeat the chaos pool, each goat can, once per session, party hard, and access the power of chaos. So players, when you do this, grab all the dice in the chaos pool and add them to your now unopposed pool. Roll them and apply them to the current obstacle. Then lower the chaos pool to zero. So in the span of a night, if you've got four goats in your goat party, each one of them can do that once. And that is a very powerful ability. You want to make sure the chaos pool is nice and big when you use that. And you've got something important that you're trying to do as your goat. For the GM, we need to know what is secretly going on at the party. Is it one, undercover police sting operation? Two, complex Ocean's Eleven art heist? Three, assassination attempt on a visiting dignitary? Four, clandestine bioweapon sale? Five, tense mafia peace negotiations? Or six, illegal prize goat auction? So there's something going on at the party that the goats have snuck into. What is it? Any of these give you even more opportunity for chaos. This entire game is just about chaos when it comes right down to it. Now, at the bottom of the page, we get some wonderful little illustrations of goats doing very non-goat things. Uh, but we get a little tiny character sheet and a list of fun setting ideas. So these are 1920s Call of Cthulhu, Renaissance Venice, Jane Austen Ball, Sci-Fi Orbital Hedonism Satellite, Game of Thrones-style Royal Wedding, or Regular Royal Wedding. Now, this is a game that I think lends itself so, so well to playing with kids or playing at a party. This should probably always be a one-shot, although I could see 
you know, this gang of goats, if you wanted to stretch it into a full campaign, going around to different parties uh, and just crashing them. But I think it might get a little bit old. Uh, maybe give yourself some kind of time travel mechanic and you're, you're crashing parties and altering human history as these goats go around and uh, cause some chaos. That might be a way to to get a few more games out of it. But I think really you should do this as a one shot, a one off. And you'll have the most fun with that. What I like best about this game, I think I think I like the actions a little bit better in Adventure Skeletons. Here, though, I really enjoy the uh, the party hard mechanic, the the chaos mechanic and just the the different weird types of, of goats and situations that you can have. This game, I think, is going to benefit a lot from good improvisational skills, right? The the yes and and just piling the, the ludicrousness on top of the ludicrous. You want to bring your your a goat game with this as as the gm right and and try and have this go as wild as possible because this, these goats they're just there to party man they're just there to party so what's secretly going on at the party the goats might mess it up in all sorts of numerous ways but they also might not care right you know if it's a uh, undercover police sting it could all go so badly and then the you know the goats just just party out of there but there is just so much potential here for fun games and i think as someone's first rpg this is a good one because there's only so much you can mess up as just a silly goat trying to get into a human party now before we go today i want to do two things firstly i want to say that i recommend both of these games I, i would not have highlighted them if i didn't i think they're both great and i think they're both excellent suggestions if you're looking for a one-page game to play with your, your friends or family or enemies, who, whoever. The second thing is, we need to make some characters. Let's make a character first for Adventure Skeletons. So we're going to head on back there. Luckily for us, as you'll no doubt know at this point in the show, creating characters is pretty easy and quick for both of these games. To start off with Adventure Skeletons, we need an ancestry. And we're going to roll randomly for everything here. We don't we don't choose. We don't have freedom of choice. No, no. We just take the skeleton that we roll. All right. Ancestry on a D6. Three. Dwarf. Your head and chest get an extra hitbox each. So that's really nice because, of course, your head is what uh, keeps you going. Without it, you become... I'd say you die, but you're a skeleton, so you get more dead than you were previously. And your torso is it's a big one, right? It's a roll of a six or seven, so it could get hit frequently. So that's a really nice thing for our skeleton to be is a former dwarf. Now, let's see equipment. We get to roll this twice. So one leather armor. So plus one hitbox on a random slot. So then we're going to roll a D10 and we're going to see what slot we we get so we got a five on that one that's a right arm so a leather bracer for our right arm which is going to give it another hitbox and then our second piece of equipment is a four a dagger one-handed d4 damage d8 from hiding so if we can be pretty sneaky with our dwarf we can do a good bit of damage with that and uh yeah so that is our 
skeleton to start things off. But of course, we need a name for our skeleton. That's that's the one other thing that we did. And uh, we are going to go with Borgo. Borgo the skeleton. That's kind of a dwarfy name. I like it anyway. So Borgo is, he's pretty tanky and he's got his dagger so he can do a little bit of damage there. And if we uh, figure out a way for him to be sneaky, then then we're we're cooking with with gas here. So he might be a bit of a roguish skeleton. <laughs> now, there's one thing I missed here when I was going through this on the little space they give you for character creation, which just says name ancestry equipment at the bottom. There is favorite bone type. So if we have to pick a favorite bone type, I think we'll go for the humorous. Because it's funny. So that is our adventure skeleton. In Goat Crashers now, we need to make a goat. Number one is what type of goat are you? We are a pygmy goat. We got a one. And our specialty is smallness. Love pygmy goats. All right. What is our favorite goat thing to do? Four, making a mockery of physical barriers. All right, we got a pygmy goat who's going to get places. And then we switch to our D10 and we figure out what do we want to do at the party. Number seven, get one of those goodie bags. All right, so we have our goat, our favorite goat thing to do, and our ultimate goal at the party. Now, as a pygmy goat, I think we're in a pretty good place here. Because making a mockery of physical barriers, that's a classic goat thing to do, right? We're small, but we're probably pretty agile. We can, we can get up on things, right? It's going to take us a few more hops than the bigger goats, but we'll, we'll get up on stuff and, and we'll get a bonus to doing that. And getting one of those goodie bags, you know, we could get up on the, the table, pretend to be like a plushie or something. And then, you know, when no one's looking, we, we swipe the goodie bags and we go and we, we hide under one of the bigger goats. And man, we're, we're in business, so... I think we're uh, a pretty great, pretty great goat. And we need a name. We need a name for our goat. Of course, I'm going to say our name is Gary. Gary the goat. Because alliteration is never the wrong answer. So we have Gary the goat and Borgo the skeleton. And uh, it's just that simple, folks. So we've, we've got two ready to roll characters for these very, very serious games that we're playing. Well, that is going to about do it for this one i hope you've enjoyed these uh, reviews of of these great little games and i hope you do give them a try at some point i recommend either one of them highly i think you'll have an absolute blast with them and uh i give them 13 goat skeletons out of 10 if you're looking for a, a actual number value there and before i go today i want to give you a sneak peek at our challenge, our upcoming challenge from episode three, in case you'd like to play along with us. And that challenge is called New Person Creations or NPCs. It reads as create an NPC for use in a nautical setting. The NPC must have the following traits. They must be some form of guide slash mentor for the players. They must have a secret goal slash agenda, which the players are unaware of. They must have some kind of injury slash deformity. A tragedy must befall the players in some way which is related to the NPC, be it betrayal, tragic death, catastrophe, etc. 
So this is a great one for you aspiring GMs out there uh, that wants to uh, scratch your NPC building muscles there. We had a great time with this one. So you'll hear that on our next main episode there. And as a reminder, if you want to keep up with our challenges and just see what's going on, you can find us on Facebook at Playing the Role and uh, eventually probably some other places too. But for now, just hit us up if you are on Facebook and uh, say hi and share your challenge results with us. We would love to see what you guys can build with our challenges as well. All right, folks. Until next time, I've been your host, Nathan Stone. Have a great week. Thanks for listening. If you like the show, please give us a five-star rating on your podcast platform of choice. And don't forget to share the show with your friends, family, and that eldritch horror lurking just out of sight. You can connect with Playing the Role on Facebook to see upcoming challenges and news.